This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. How are you, sir? Don, good to be back. Had a oh, busy yeah, week. So, I know. It's been a busy week. It's been crazy. It's the holidays and... You know, we're going to have a podcast. We're going to have um, the final week, and then we'll decide when we're going to come back, like after the new year, because people are going to be away and all that. But things are going on in this sport. Oh, and, things are going on. And uh, we, there's a bunch of different places that we can start. I, I, I want to start um, with with the Rangers in, in this sense. Okay. That Why? I do believe there is a Shesterkin issue. Now, when I say issue, I, I'm not saying that there's a problem but at what point do we stop thinking of the igor from two years ago when he was a vesna trophy winner and a 950 save percentage and the sparkling goal against average and putting up numbers we hadn't seen since Jacques plant and say well, last year not as good this year not as good as last year kind of trending in the wrong direction very good goaltender but is the sample size starting to show, even before the um, the 21-22 season, what he did there and say that maybe what we saw a couple of years ago maybe isn't really what Igor is? Is that fair or am I being unfair? I don't think you're unfair. I think that I would be more concerned, the word that you used, if we hadn't seen it before. Um, we did see this last year with him. Um, and I mentioned it a couple days ago where when his confidence goes, um, it looks bad. Um, and after that last game, uh, he said to the media, I don't know what to say to you, sorry. Like, he's definitely in his own head right now. Um, and the team in front of him is not playing good as we talked about. There was one good game that, that they've had uh, on this stretch, and that was against the Kings uh, for Jonathan Quick, essentially. Right. Um, but it can look like this for Igor sometimes. And when he's missing, the, the goals that he misses where it's glove side and he looks like he's out of position or he kind of loses track of the puck, that's when he's not at his best. And you're right, Don. Are we ever going to see that level of player again? I don't know. Um, but I certainly don't think he's this bad. He may not be as good as he was in his Vesna year, but I think right. he's going to be a guy that can get you to a cup that can when he's oh, yeah. playing at his best. See, that's why I say it's a situation, not a problem. Because, again, Darcy Kemper's got a Stanley Cup. So we don't need to have the greatest goaltender of all time to win a cup. I'm just saying is is that we kind of just look at a couple of years ago and we say that you know this is the best goaltender in the NHL and you know it, it is kind of like a um, a Montana to Young situation, like one Hall of Famer to another, Henrik Lundqvist and Igor Shesterkin. I think Hank was a lot more consistent, and I don't think he's Henrik Lundqvist, and he doesn't have to be. But I I just think that just thinking that all right he's 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 great i i still think there's more work to be done here to be able to determine exactly what that is he's a very good goaltender i'm not ready to say great it could be a very good goaltender to happen to have a great season a couple of years ago and maybe that's the aberration not the norm no i don't think you're wrong there and and like i said last year we kind of saw something similar to this um the Rangers' schedule has been really weird. They've had a lot of time off. Igor obviously wasn't 100% when he came back from the quote-unquote lower body injury that he suffered um, at the hands of uh, of the Hurricanes, I believe, was when that game was. And that does take him some time to get back, and he needs a lot of volume. He needs a lot of shots. He needs consistent games back-to-back, and it's hard not to play quick with how well he's playing. So it might take a couple games. Now, tonight, is he going to start against the Ducks? I think this would be a good game for him to get back into it, but... 
how are the Rangers going to play in front of him? Because as bad as that game was uh, against the Maple Leafs and Igor was not his best, there's plenty of blame to go around as to why the Rangers are struggling the way they have been recently. Yeah, and there was no Keandre Miller in that game too. But but still, they I thought they'd be completely engaged because it was original six matchup. But that was just not second not period a great was effort the other night. Second period was good, but you no. it's hard to win when you play one good period. Well, and that's yeah. what they did. They played one good period. You know, they've lost three of four, and, and I believe now five of the last six games they've allowed the first goal, you know, falling behind. So even when they were playing well, there were times where they were having to play catch-up, and, and this offense, especially against certain teams, you know, can overwhelm you. Like tonight, you can fall behind 3 nothing and still win the game and then pat yourself on the back and say, oh, look what we came back and we won, so everything's great, but, you know, why are you falling behind? Why are you not playing a complete 60 minutes? And I'm hearing things out of the room, Anthony, like compete level and not enough fight. You know, things like that that I, I think are a disturbing trend. To where For sure. maybe maybe it can be that whole football basketball speak of we don't want to give credit to the opponent, it's on us. We need to be more engaged. That doesn't happen in hockey. Usually when a hockey player says we need more fight, it's because they're not fighting hard enough. They're not making excuses, don't not wanting to give the opposition credit. It's it's an issue. Like why is your compete level not there? Now, do I expect it to be every single night, Anthony? No, but one of the breaks the Rangers have had in this schedule is they've had, you know, when you look at Ottawa, they were they, Ottawa was an awful performance up and down. Three days off before they had to play again against Washington, same thing. So the extra time didn't help. You know, so we'll see what happens tonight against Anaheim. They hadn't played since Tuesday. Get a couple extra days off to practice. Work that doesn't on help something. them sometimes either, by the way. I, that, no, that, that, in that's recent true. vintage, that has not been good for them. No, but it's supposed to be a chance where. Hey, if they had played a lot of volume games, you'd say, well, they haven't had a chance to practice, work out some of their kinks. This is um, this is a, a, just something to keep an eye on. And, and again, it's a first world problem because they're so good that we kind of go over things with a fine tooth comb because they're expected to be competing for a Stanley Cup. And, and nobody has taken a stranglehold. Anthony of this uh, of this sport you know you no. when we're going to do our top five later and you you mentioned it the last time we did a podcast about hey hey Vegas has their lulls Boston had their lull a couple of weeks ago Colorado's been up and down Kings can't win at home um, so there's plenty of teams that uh, nobody is going start to finish spectacular but little things that you'd like to see and maybe the injuries are catching up with them a little bit playing without Kako Heedle I think is a big miss for them, especially up the middle, um, but you know some things you want to be able to work on and, and win the game tonight. Don't look past the Ducks because you got Boston tomorrow. Go out there, you know, get get a win tonight, get back on track, and then we'll see what happens in Boston tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to get three points out of these out of these two games, um, mm-hmm. and that would mean you. I would imagine that would mean getting two against the Ducks. Uh, it was a track meet last time the Rangers played Boston, and that's a game down that's interesting because you look at the final score of the Leafs Rangers game, and you say, "Well, they scored they scored some goals, okay, but they didn't look good." If they lost the Boston game, which was a statement win for that team, that was an up and down track meet where both teams looked like they played really well. I'm not going to say the Leafs didn't play well. The Rangers gave them every opportunity to score seven goals in that game. Yeah, and they took advantage. And it wasn't an even matchup back and forth. I get one, you get one. Like, the Rangers just did not play good in the first period. Gave that game to the Leafs. So, I'm not going to take anything away from Toronto. They took advantage of their opportunities. But it was the mistakes of the Rangers in that game. You go out and you play a game like you did against Boston the first time. You lose a game 5-4. to 
yes, you're still concerned about the goaltending. Yes, you're still concerned about the defense. But I want to see how it looks. You said it. You've been saying it about the Giants all year. I want to see how it looks. Because for the moment, even in the games that they won before this losing streak, they haven't looked the way that they did earlier in the year. That's concerning. And and that is a bit of a problem. And and don't pat yourself on the back that you had three goals against Toronto. Columbus put up a six spot against the Leafs last night. How about that game? Unbelievable. You know, you know, five nothing going into the third period, or, or, or and they put up a five, five goals there in the in the third period to make it a five five game. They lose in overtime, but the fact that you were able to get a point when you're down five goals uh, going to the third period that's pretty interesting. Wasn't stuff. even the biggest blowout in sports last night, but I think we'll get to that on another show. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a team to be shut out and then score sixty three points like four days later. But uh, yeah, you're right. We'll get to that. Uh, Oilers winning streak comes to an end, but I, I can't really kill them. They had fifty seven shots on goal, losing to uh, a, a, an up and down Tampa team seven to four. Steven Stamkos with four goals. Yeah, I think that um, that's a game. That's a that's a vintage Oilers game, right? And I say vintage in the sense of like what this team with McDavid and Drysaddle look like. There are games where they'll get fifty-seven shots on goal, they'll lose seven to four. But they have been playing better. You got to give Coach Knobloch a lot of credit. Um, nothing has changed other than the coaching in that in that team, and they seem to have been uh, turning themselves around and playing pretty well. Um, but a great performance by Tampa. But they've another team that's kind of been in my mind. I'd say up and down this year. Um, they're four six and zero in their last ten. Some days they look like that team that made all those cup runs. Other times they look dis- disjointed. Vasilevsky not as good as he's been. Mm. Um, but yeah, Don, take a look at it. Only two points behind now. The St. Louis Blues with two games in hand are the Edmonton Oilers eight two and zero in their last ten. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely impressive for sure. Um, more another win for the Wild. So clearly the coaching changes work there. Three two uh, over the Calgary Flames. That Flames and, team just can't. No, they're they're, they're not good. Now they, listen, the Oilers have kind of figured it out. Uh, the Flames are not going to. Um, so th- there's there's an issue there. Um, Fire sale? No pun intended. Well, that, that that's where they they've got pieces, right? There, there's guys that they definitely can move that would probably appreciate the move and and could be taken there. So yeah, they've got. Uh, a couple of players I can think of that would make a lot of sense. Shout out Matt out Boldy, by the way, getting it together. I remember before Dean Evison was fired, he only had like yeah. two or three goals. Mm-hmm. And and I think they mentioned it that that was going to be a guy that you're going to want to get going if you're Minnesota. I know Rossi's been great for them, but having eight goals now, scored the first one last night, that's big for them. Yeah. The Blues win over the Senators 4-2, to two, but really the story surrounding this team is Craig Berube being relieved of his duties. I was a little shocked by it myself. Me too, yeah. Um, because they weren't really playing. I didn't expect anything from the Blues this year. And when I was watching them, and, and they're, they're a playoff team right now, so you just like wonder what's going on. Now, you say you have Kairou sound. Is this responding to the boos or the original comments about um, Barubi? Yeah, so I saw the quote of what Kairou said before the game, where they asked him about Barubi and said, he's not my coach anymore, I'm focusing on the future. Um, and then he got... And by the way, Cairo struggling this year mightily after getting yes. a big contract. So he was vociferously booed. I think I used that word right. He was Not booed either. heavily uh, in the game. So after the game, he spoke about the comments he made about his former coach. Obviously, respect Chief. You know, it's been my coach for the whole time I've been here, right? So you know, I respect everything he's done here. You know, he's done, he's done a great job. You know, he won a cup, right? So all I really meant was, you know, I'm just trying to focus on my future and you know, focus on what I can do to help my team win. So that's, that's all I really meant. Yeah. And then he got emotional throughout the three-and-a-half-minute clip, I believe, that that was put up. And uh, he was asked why he was getting so emotional about the boos from the fans. You're getting pretty emotional here. Where, where are the emotions coming from? I mean, 
just tough, right? Like, you know, I love playing here, so it's just it's tough to hear the fans booing me there. Sorry. They'll obviously come around. I mean, they know you want to be here, play hard, and produce for them. I mean, do you feel like you know it's just a bump in the road that it can be overcome? They'll love you again. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, I just want to focus on my future and focus on you know trying to be a more complete player and you know what I can do to help the team win. Right. So you know, that's just my goal right now. Now, this is obviously salvageable. Yes. Now, he, he, I can't defend what he said, and, and he could say whatever he wants. He clearly had a problem with Craig Berube. He, he just did. Because you could say all you want, you want to focus on. Listen, the coach gets fired. He's a popular guy. He won a Stanley Cup. He's the only coach you've ever known. And you just callously and coldly say you want to move on tells me you were happy he was fired, which is fine. I mean, not everybody is happy with their boss. But he misread the room. He's a hero in St. Louis. He got the only cup the Blues have ever had. So the fans, of course, are going to react that way when one of the stars of the team dismisses a very popular piece to a championship gets dismissed unceremoniously. Now, will his crying and his emotion and how badly he wants to stay in St. Louis change the hearts and minds of the fans? Absolutely it can. And if he plays better, it'll be even easier. But do not sit there and tell me that he just wanted to move on. He clearly didn't like Barubi, and that was just, that was a bad thing to say, especially considering how much the fans were passionate about how they felt about him. Yeah, this is certainly a referendum. Uh, it could be a referendum, excuse me, on fans booing, and we talk about this all the time on the K-Show. Um, this one's a little different because, like you said, Barubi is loved in St. Louis, and while I'm sure the fans do love Jordan Cairo because he's a young potential star for them that'll be there for a long time, when you disrespect a legend, disrespect somebody that's done so much for the team while you're in the midst of a struggle, I think the I think he thought that the fans would be on his side and at the present moment they weren't. Now, I think the I think the emotion is real. I think that the, look, I, I can't pretend that I know what what it is to get booed by 18,000, 20 plus thousand people at any type of event when you're not playing well. It gets to these guys and we we talk about it with with other teams in in our area and and what booing does and not being behind people. This is this is what can happen to a young athlete to to veteran athletes and and it it all depends on how they handle it. I think that was a raw emotional moment for Kairou. Probably not the smartest thing. He'd love to have taken it back. I think he's already started that process. Um, and I hope that he does receive a little bit better of a reception next time that they're in St. Louis. Because I think he certainly deserves it um, for just being a young kid that I think made a, a very silly mistake. I enjoyed the Caps-Flyers game. And the Flyers end up winning that game in a shootout with the Capitals. 4-3 to three. Tippett's goal with less than three minutes to play forces overtime in a back-and-forth game, and then uh, they get the uh, the shootout victory for a Philadelphia team that is just not going away, Anthony. They're not. Um, Torch will what, do that. At what point are we just going to say that this can end up being a playoff team at the end of the day? I mean, they're sitting there in third place in the Metropolitan Division with 35 points. They're six games above 500, plus 10 goal differential. I mean, this team... You know, when you say legit, I mean, a legit playoff team, I think they're starting to blossom to be. I mean, they played 29 games, so they have one more game played than the Islanders and two more than the Rangers. And as far as, you know, being chased down is concerned, same amount of games as Carolina, who also won last night. 
you know, but the Devils are lurking, playing better, two games in hand on Philadelphia. So it's going to be tough, but I think they're proving night in and night out that they they can end up being a playoff team. Look, they'll go as far, I think, as Carter Hart will take them. He's sure. got 242 goals against average in 17 games this year. Samuel Erson is as a 2.8 in his 10 games. Um, but the save percentage for Carter Hart in the 900s while Erison's in the eight, 880s. Um, he's played well. Carter Hart had struggled last year. It was one of the main reasons that the Flyers, I guess, haven't taken that next step because the goaltending didn't go the way they thought. They thought Carter Hart was going to blossom into one of those top 10 goaltenders in the league. Maybe this is the year that he kind of figures it out. Tortorella teams are always known to be very good defensively. Um, they have the offensive firepower up front to be able to score enough to win games, and they're third in the Metro in a very tough Metro. Um, I don't think they're going away. I think we're seeing yeah. Washington's warts. Uh, Ovechkin still not being able to find the score sheet Weird. as much as I think people would like. No Backstrom really hurts that team. Um, no Kuznetsov either. Yeah. Too. He's been out. He's been out. So, you know, th- that's two big pieces for them offensively. Um, and this might just be the time that we say, and I know we said the Islanders were dead, and look at them. They're second in the Metro now. Um, but this might be where we start to see Washington slip a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And, and as far as Ovechkin, it's baffling to me. He only has five goals. I mean, so the idea of him getting 40, he's going to have to really pick it up. But he's going to be on pace for 20, which is going to completely – you know, change the, the the timeline for him to be able to catch Gretzky, if at all. Uh, he had four shots on goal last night. He's getting minutes. He's getting opportunities. Now, is that because he's older and maybe the shot isn't as hard and the reflexes aren't as quick? And, and so these shots that were going in in years past are now easily saved? I don't know. Um, in that 4 nothing win over the Rangers, he had some glorious opportunities on the power play, and I just thought quick was better. But is that you know because Ovechkin's older? Or is it just one of those things? But it is a little disturbing that a Washington Capitals team that has played 26 games, Alexander Ovechkin is sitting on five, and I believe at least one of those five goals was the empty netter against the Islanders. He's never gone, I think it's what is 11 or 12 games without a goal. It's the longest of his career. So something's going on here with Ovechkin, and I think it's really changing the narrative of him catching Gretzky a bit. I was always skeptical of that. I know that Everybody else thought that the pace was there. Um, and I think Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer that I have ever seen because I didn't get to see Gretzky play in his heyday. Um, I just always was skeptical that he was going to be able to keep it up, whether it be injury or otherwise. And I don't even think he's necessarily dipped in play here. I just think he hasn't found the back of the net, as crazy as that sounds. Um, and it's going to be hard for him if he can't consistently put up 40 goals now to do it as he gets older. Mm. Um, so I think it's going to be tough for him to get to Gretzky. I do. Yeah, it, it, it certainly because he's thirty eight. So it, it's it's not going to now. Will he start to score more than he has scored here in the first uh, you know month and a half of the season? Of course he will. But will he be a, a, the consistent forty goal scorer? No. Now if he's going to give me twenty goals this year, well, then my can he score twenty five or thirty next year? Sure. But now forty's off the table, and going into this season, forty seemed to be a fait accompli. So I still think there's a lot of goals left in him, but. Uh, Clearly, it's not going to be at the pace that we thought. And, uh, again, he's getting minutes. He's getting tons of time on the power play. Uh, He is missing some pieces of players that can make him better. Uh, Wilson's playing out of his mind right now. Uh, He had another goal last night. He's got 10 goals. Um, There's a lot going on there in in a a Capitals team that is trying to, you know, are are they a legit playoff contender? Are they in a rebuild? I mean, there's a lot. They're probably closer to a rebuild than a playoff team, even though they're still kind of hanging around. But um, 
kind of kind of strange what's happening with Alexander Ovechkin right now, and uh, and we'll see what happens the rest of the season. Are you ready for a top five, my friend? I was born ready. All right, let's get it started. Don McGregor's Friday Top Five. Yeah! Number five. You know, this is going to sound a little strange. We like strange. I'm going to kind of go a little off the reservation here, but they're playing so well. Why not give a little love to the New York Islanders? It's time number five. Four straight wins, as you Good said. For they're, you. they're still miserable in the third period, but you know they're finding ways to win game. They're scoring goals now. Lee's been good. Barzell's been good. You know when healthy. Uh, I and you know you know what Sorokin is. I, I like this Islanders team, and and it's kind of got a devil's feel to it from last year, in this sense where. Now, granted, it was a lot earlier in the season for the Devils where they were chanting, you know, fire rough, and then and he ends up being coach of the year, and they were fire Lambert, and now all of a sudden they're just they're crawling up the back of the Rangers for first place in the, uh, the division. So let's give a little love to the Islanders, and let's put them at five. Yeah, you? I'm going to go with the Kings at five. Um, six, three, and one in their last ten. They have the sixth most points in the league. Um, I thought they played a good game against the Rangers. They just didn't win it. Um, 11-11-1 on the road. If they could figure out how to be better than 500 at home, uh, I think that they're a team that's going to make a lot of noise in the West. So I'm going to go with the LA Kings at number five. Number four. Yeah, for all the reasons you said, I've got the Kings at four. That plus 29 goal differential is absolutely terrific. Uh, all the reasons that you said. I mean, they need to play a little bit better at home. Kind of a disturbing loss to the Jets the other night, especially the Jets, you know, losing to the Ducks the night before and then waltzing in to L.A. and then beating the Kings the way that they did. But Jets are good, though. The Jets are a very, very good team that I, I, I think very soon I might have them uh, in the top five. Not yet, but soon. But I'm with you. I think the Kings are terrific. I have them at four. How about you? I dropped the Rangers to four. I probably could have mm. dropped them out of the top five. I know they're 6-4-0 in their last ten, but quite frankly, over the last seven or eight games, they have not played very well. Um, I'm giving them one more shot just because they're my team uh, to keep them in this top five, uh, but they could find themselves on the outside looking in. If they didn't have that win against the Kings, they obviously certainly would be out, yeah. um, and I would have had to make uh, a different uh, decision here. But they do have a couple of injuries. I'm just going to equate it to when they don't play the 1-3-1 to perfection, this is what could happen. I'm sure that that'll get cleaned up as, as time goes on here. Um, no Keandre Miller hurts them as well, but I'll have them uh, at number four for now. Number three. Yeah, Boston Bruins, they're still uh, you know outstanding uh, what they've been able to accomplish so far this year. Five points off the pace for the most points in the National Hockey League. They've only played 27 games, plus 21 goal differential for me has been the difference. And it's not just about Pasternak, who is clearly their best offensive player, but you know DeBrus comes up with some big moments too. Uh, a very well-rounded team that has missed some pieces from last year. I mean, you take two... Of uh, one of the, two of the best centers in the league, uh, and and take them out of that lineup and have them still be atop of their division and still be very good. It, it's hard to not have the Boston Bruins in the top three, and I have them at three. Yeah, everything you just said, I agree. I have them at three. It's a credit to Jim Montgomery and what he's doing over there to lose two key pieces to that team after a very disappointing exit in the playoffs and keep them as competitive and as good as they are uh, this year. They're great at home, great record on the road as well. Hard to have a bad record when you only have five regulation losses. Five, four, and one in the last ten keeps them out of the top two, but Boston did climb back for me to number three. Number two. Yeah, it's your. Um, I thought about making them number one, 
but they are still four points behind Vegas with the same amount of games played. That goal differential has been terrific and consistent all year at plus 41. We've discussed how well uh, Besser's played and, and Miller has played and Pedersen has played and, and Hughes. And they're just a really good all-around team. They've had their share of hiccups recently, but still, they, they get off the mat and they, they don't put any kind of long losing streaks together. Um, and also, you know, the difference between them and Vegas is, is that uh, – they have not been as good in overtime as Vegas, uh, or as bad as Vegas has been in overtime, where Vegas has been able to accumulate some points despite not winning in regulation. But I've got Vegas being, I got Vancouver, excuse me, at number two. Yeah, I think we're in lockstep here. I got Vancouver at two. I think they're the best offense in the NHL. I don't think that I'm crazy to say that. 7 3 0 in their last 10 on a four game winning streak. Um, they're great. They're absolutely great. And if this team wasn't in front of them, they'd be number one. But. Number one, yeah! Vegas, baby. Yeah, Vegas. So you know, we were both in, in lockstep here. Just how ter- just terrific this hockey team is. Every single night, it's a new new hero. But you, you, let, let me just explain. You know, I don't know how Aiden Hill is doing it, but listen, he is following up winning a Stanley Cup with having a, a nine thirty five save percentage, a one point eight seven goal against average. So right there, that's going to put you in the conversation. You know, Marcia Show leads them in goals. Eichel leads them in assists. Eichel overall in points. But Car- you know, Carlson's been great for. And really, they're just as deep a team in the National Hockey League. And if they're going to get this kind of goaltending, Anthony, it's going to be very, very difficult to beat them in a in the best of seven series or anybody really challenging them for the Pacific. Yeah, I agree. I love this team. Um, I loved them since they came in. I actually loved the logo, loved the colors. Um, I loved how the cities embraced them. It allowed the NFL to come in and be a, to have a team in Vegas. Um, it's awesome. I think that they're a great story. They're fun. They're different. Um, I think it's popular on social media, which of course is great for the ho- for the sport of hockey in general. Twenty five and five. How could you go wrong? Vegas number one until proven otherwise. All right, let's uh, close it out with uh, your tweets Why at not? Don LaGreca and at Anthony Pusick at hashtag Game Misconduct. You cool with that? Oh, yeah, why not? All right. Well, Joe says, I'm confident Igor will figure out his issues. However, I'm concerned about this five-on-five trend we've seen since mid-November. The sky isn't falling, but I'm concerned. It started with Heedle and accelerated with Kako going down. Five-on-five has been a problem for this team for a while now. All right, this is a team. Remember, we go back to the playoff series, Anthony, if you will, against the Devils. You know, they took that 2 nothing series lead, crushing the Devils in both games. Why? Because their power play was spectacular. Once the Devils figured out the kill and it became a five-on-five series, it was over. You know, so this has yeah. been going on now for a while, five-on-five. Uh, I heard Dave mention it the other night. The loss of Heedle, although they've survived it record-wise, I think is starting to come back to haunt them just a bit. Uh, because what it does is exposes your bottom six six forwards, your last two lines, because then you're not as whole as you'd like to be at the center position. So they've had some heroes there, but uh, now it's starting to show, I think, some cracks. So they need Heedle back. I, I know he's skating, but he doesn't seem to be close. So it's starting to catch up. And I don't think Adam Fox is 100%. So that, that adds to the issues on the blue line because it's not all Igor. I mean, this team has given up a lot of quality opportunities, a lot of odd man rushes. So there's a lot of things they need to get cleaned up with the Rangers besides their goaltender. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I kind of kicked this around, I think, with you, Don, before the season when we were kind of contemplating what the lines were going to look like. I know that they love each other and they hug after every game when they win, but wouldn't, I don't know if the Zib-Kreider combination works the way it used to. 
Um, that line is struggling, and they've kind of bounced everything around other than splitting those two guys up. Um, of course, keep Kreider on power play one, but I don't see why Kreider can't do what he does on a third line. Now, I know that Nick Bonino is centering the third line right now, but let's say Hedl comes back and Kako comes back. If you have Kreider with the way that he plays on a third line against lesser bottom six opponents in yeah. the National Hockey League. He can use his speed. He can get in front. Will Cooley has been proven to be very effective pretty much anywhere he plays. You can move him up. Rodzinski has proven to be a formidable wing for them on the bottom six when he plays well. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily something they're going to do right away, but mm-hmm. if they continue to struggle five on five, I definitely wouldn't split up the Trocek, Panarin, Lafreniere line. I think that that's their best line. Uh, the fourth line has seemed to get some chemistry, so the only thing I could think of is splitting up the Zib line and the Benino line. Yeah, that'd be something to think about for sure. Number one Josh Bailey fan account says, are the Islanders legit cup contenders? It's hard to say yes. I'm considering- still saying no. We had that question, what, two days ago? It's... um. It's it's it, listen. It's been a great run here, uh, and their goaltending is going to give them a chance to win in any series. That's what we've talked about. But we need to see a little bit more consistency and a little bit more offense for a longer period of time before I can say they're a cup contender. But the one thing you got going for you, what we have said, what we have said about the Panthers this time last year, right? What we have said about the, you know the Blues back in twenty sure. twenty nineteen when they were dead last on January first. So there's lots of times to turn it around, but. For a team that I don't think is that equipped, now can they go get Zach Parisi? That's something that's being, you know, bandied about. And Rich on Long Island wanted to ask about that. Parisi is coming back. It seems like it would be a fit. That's the last team he played for. Um, so maybe there's a comfort level there to go back. But it's not like Parisi is going to light it up offensively. But what he will do is is bring a, a lot of experience to the team. And certainly he was a part of those teams that went to the third round back-to-back years. So they do have the ability with that to maybe get better, but probably not overly equipped to make any major splashes at the deadline. So right now I'll say no, but I can change my mind. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I said a couple days ago or a week ago. I think that they can win a playoff series because Sorokin's so good. I need more offensive firepower from this team. Uh, Sir Harvey Cruz, our buddy, says eight points separate the Rangers and the Devils in the Metro. Is the division much tougher than last season? Well, you know, Carolina now is like kind of falling off here a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's I, harder, I more, more so that there's a lot of guys either under or overperforming than we thought. Well, I guess it's tougher because you've got the Flyers in the mix now as a team that looks like they're pretty good. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh is kind of in the same place as they were last year. Same with Columbus. Uh, so the Islanders have kind of moved up. So And the and Carolina's fallen out of the playoffs. So it might be a little bit more well-rounded. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's, if it's tougher. Well, that being I, what you said, Don, I, I don't think that teams are as afraid of Metro teams this year as they, as they were last year. I think the Rangers have shown they could be beat. Yeah. Um, the Flyers are up and coming, but you know that they could be had. Carolina, not the defensive mm. stalwarts they've been in the past. The Devils have not taken that leap forward that everybody's expected up to this point. And we, and we just discussed why we don't think the Islanders are necessarily a cup contender as of right now. Right. But um, that leads to a lot of parity. I will say this about the Devils. Getting Heashier and Hughes back healthy clearly has helped this team. They had a good Western swing. Their only loss was to Edmonton, and that was the second of back-to-backs. They go to Boston. They beat the the Bruins in overtime. So they're starting to get their sea legs back. So I think they will be better. So I would say I would think the Devils would finish ahead of of the Islanders. Can they catch the Rangers? I mean, sure. Um, But I, I, I... a lot of self-interest there from Harvey, let's be honest. Yeah, I get it, but that's fine. 
Uh, Michael says, think the Penguins will be buyers and make the playoffs. Buyers. Here's the thing is that they shouldn't be, but they could be. Remember, you know, they don't want to let go. Remember, remember. oh, listen, Malkin and Latang are free agents. Maybe it's time to let those guys go. Latang was going to go to Montreal. Malkin was going to leave, and they were going to finally rebuild. And then they resigned both of them. And then, all right, they missed the playoffs. So, all right, now maybe you just kind of settle in, get, you know, get ready for the rebuild. You got a new general manager there. Uh, and what do they do? They sign Carlson. Or they trade for Carlson. So it just seems to me like they don't want to let go. So should they be buyers? Absolutely not. Will they be? I wouldn't be surprised, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, you don't get Carlson and then kind of give up midway through that season, right? I mean, you'd have to think that they're going to do everything they can to get one more kick at the can here. But to what end? I don't think they're going to crack the top three in the Metro. That means you're going to be a wild card team. That means you're going to play either some a team like the Rangers or the Bruins right. or the Maple Leafs. Those are guys that you're not going to win a seven-game series against anymore. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang can only carry this team so far. Um, do they need to be buyers if they want to have a chance? Yeah. But should they be buyers for the sake of the franchise overall? Probably not. No. Sean says, with teams seeming to exploit the 1-3-1 defense, is there concern that in a seven-game series, teams will be able to attack that more since in the playoffs you can game plan a little more than in a sing- uh, single regular season game? Of course, he's talking about the Rangers. Here's the problem with the 1-3-1, the left-wing lock, the trap, all of those systems that are defensive-minded, they kind of go out the window when you're down two goals five minutes into the game, right? I mean, like the, for the last five games, they've given up the first goal. Uh, there have been two situations where they've been down multiple goals in games against Ottawa, against Nashville. Uh, so now you're starting to pinch. Now your defensemen are not being responsible because you're chasing deficits. The one three one supposed to be utilized in tie games, protecting leads. Uh, when you are dictating policy, you're not dictating policy, Anthony, when you fall behind early. And it seems they every night they're behind, and you, you saw it against Toronto too. Five minutes into the game, you're down 2 nothing. Good luck with systems when you're chasing deficits. Yeah, and, and we talked about it, Don. Five-on-five five is not just a problem this season. It's been a problem for this team for a while under Gerard Gallant and, and, and others. Um that is something that they're going to have mm. to clean up outside of the one three one. If and and the one three one's not going to work when you're down, and you're going to have to find ways. Now they have shown resilience this year. They've come back in games, absolutely. Yeah, because um, they're really good offensively. Yeah. But you know, but uh, it, it, it's but is there concern? There's concern if you keep going down in games. Right. The one three one has been proven to work very well early well, in the works. year. They look dominant. Um, but when it doesn't look good or they're still learning the ins and outs of how to, who to cover what. And remember, with all these injuries, you've got guys on different assignments, on different pairs, on different lines. Um, the, you, you haven't really established as much chemistry, I'm sure, as you'd like to if you're the Rangers D pairs and the no. Rangers forward lines. That's a really good point. Seems like somebody's missing every night. You know, it was Keandre Miller last night. The previous two games, it was Barkley Goudreau. And you had Fox out. You have Heedle out. You have Kako out. You know, guys are going to get banged up during the length of a season, but you're right, especially the Rangers. They've had to deal with a lot of injuries, and for the most part, uh, they've been able to handle it. They've got the best record in the Metropolitan Division. got one of the best records in the NHL, but you're starting to see it can kind of wear you down over a long season. And, you know, this team went from never losing back-to-back games to dropping two in a row, now three of four, giving up tons of goals, seven against Toronto, six against Ottawa, six against San Jose. Uh, that's a lot of goals to give up and expect to win on a consistent basis. So we'll see if that changes for them. All right. uh, Have a great weekend, everyone. Um, Enjoy all of the hockey, and uh, 
We'll have EJ Raddick coming up on Monday. He was away last Monday. We just couldn't get on the same page for coming up with a day, so we apologize for that. So we'll have EJ back in the fold on Monday. So, Anthony, have a great weekend. Same to you, Donnie. And we want to hear from you at Don LaGreca or at Anthony Pusick, hashtag Game Misconduct. If you want to talk to us over the weekend, back with you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.